With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Critically analyzing global affairs. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Round two, great chat with David Gosselin. If you missed it, uh, things the, the stuff is always in the archive, the videos, the audio. You can always go back, check that stuff um, out. We got Stuart J. Hooper coming up in a bit. And yeah, do donate to TNT. If you like what we're doing, a buck, five bucks, 500 bucks, whatever floats your boat. Um, and, you know, do check out some of the merch. What, uh, you know, I got my... Um, Again, it's the only thing at hand I have here, my, my TNT coasters. Uh, but um, where's my TNT mouse pad? Somewhere else. Anyways, help us out. Share the stuff that we're doing. Uh, if you like what we're doing, we need support. It's not easy doing what we are doing. Um, some geopolitical news. Israel demolishing buildings to construct road in Gaza to cut the strip into two so um that would cut the gaza strip into two demonstrating israel's long-term plans to occupy the territory ian davis um from out in the uk uh blogger some people will be familiar with iandavis.com he writes for what you have's unlimited hangout and he writes for hervey moric's geopolitics and empire.com uh, he uh, he just submitted his second piece to me. I posted it like a day or two ago. Hervé Moric's Geopolitics and Empire.com. Uh, he, uh, he just submitted his second piece to me. I posted it like a day or two ago discussing the Al-Aqsa flood as a false flag. A uh, second part, a third part is going to be posted later this week. And he, he, he digs into some of um, Israel's machinations that it's clear you know, it was um, just a few months before Al-Aqsa, I think, uh, when uh, Netanyahu was at the UN and he held up a, he held up a map of a new Middle East that did not include um, Palestine or Gaza. So again, um, that sort of explains a bit of what is going on and what is behind some of the actions of, of the Israeli government wanting to, de you know, demolish buildings and build a road right through gaza they've got certain plans uh so that's going on in the cradle reports today uh red lines will iran enter the regional war despite tehran's central role in the axis of resistance which has launched region-wide operations against israel and its u.s ally the islamic republic refuses to rise to the enemy's bait and make itself a central target and that last what I just read, this is from Farsad Ramazani Bonesh. I've been saying exactly that for I don't know how long, that the West wants, you know, Tehran, Moscow, Beijing to bite. It's always the West carrying out the false flag operation, the provocation from the West. Then they want to get the other side to bite, and then they can say, aha, look, it was Iran, it was Russia. And so correctly as he states uh, here that Iran is not they're not taking the bait uh for now so we still have some time before the third world uh war and it's being reported that today 
that uh, the U.S.-led coalition's aircraft violated Syria's airspace seven times in the past day. A pair of F-15 fighter jets, uh, a pair of F-16 fighter jets, and a pair of Typhoon fighter jets, and MQ-1C multi-purpose drone unmanned aerial vehicle were recorded in the Al-Tamf area over the past 24 hours. So again, um, U.S. making incursions into Syrian airspace. They should not be there. Uh, and um, some economic news real quick. Uh, your 401k will be gone within a decade, says Bloomberg. The intellectual case for getting rid of tax-advantaged retirement plans is strong and the political case is catching up. You know, I guess you won't need your... 401k your retirement plan because um the government's going to sign you up for the maid program right euthanasia so i mean you're gonna you're gonna kill yourself or you know the government's gonna kill you they're gonna demonstrate you so you don't you're not really going to be needing a 401k uh, or maybe they're, maybe they're going to do another pandemic and force inject you uh and so you'll be dead you, you won't need that 401 Okay, interesting uh, stuff that's coming out from Bloomberg. Also, Bloomberg says U.S. risks fiscal crisis after soaring borrowing. Uh, this expert, uh, Olivier Blanchard, uh, states that the U.S. is in danger of a fiscal crisis erupting after a ballooning uh, in deficits. Uh, he's very worried because the primary deficits are very large and there's absolutely no attempt to decrease them in any way, shape, or form uh so it's not looking good he says i don't see a big crisis coming again except for the us where at some point it will happen whether it's in five years 10 years i do not know as we know if they struggle in the us then this has implications for the rest of the world um what else we got that is interesting farm wars young man dies as clashes erupt between police and protesting farmers in india Thousands of farmers advance on Madrid for a major tractor protest over totalitarian EU policies. Food suppliers, uh, food supplier warns Americans are buying less at the grocery store every purchase due to inflation. Hashtag neo feudalism. Hashtag great reset. Hashtag get rid of the middle class. That's what's uh, going on. Um, and, and just to, I'll just rattle off some quick headlines that are interesting. Feds charge Japanese Yakuza leader with nuclear materials trafficking. What sort of deep politics is going on there? Are they are, are you know, are the powers that be running uh, arms and weapons for potential false flag uh, operations? So they caught uh, this Japanese Yakuza conspiring to traffic nuclear materials from Burma to other countries in the belief that they would be used by Iran to make a nuclear weapon. You've also got Turkey arresting Syrian activists for allegedly spying for French intelligence. A lot of interesting stuff uh, going on there. And some excellent news. Nature reports, uh, nature.com. CRISPR RNA editing therapies are picking up steam. Fantastic. I cannot wait to be have my genes edited. So... Yeah, all right. Um, a quick reminder, if you have a suggestion for a possible guest you'd like to hear on TNT, or perhaps you have a topic you feel we should discuss, we love hearing from you. Fill out the suggestion form on the TNT uh, website or contact 
uh, any presenter through. Uh, we've each got our own contact form. Help us make a difference on today's News Talk TNT. Abroad or at home, this is your news. By staying silent, we are part of the problem. Today's News Talk Radio TNT. Tucker Carlson has made a rather controversial claim saying that former UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, Bojo, Bojo the Clown, would only agree to an interview if he received a $1 million fee. Here with the story joining me once again, TNT News producer Adam Clark, codename Ruckus. Thanks, Sir Oh, Bojo, say it ain't so. Uh, yeah, so, uh, man, this is the high-profile interview of the decade, uh, the one that Carlson did with Putin there, because it's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, I think the fallout, the reception to it, the afterwards is probably more entertaining and in eye-opening, enlightening, as it were, uh, than the interview itself. Um, I actually caught this, or at least portions of it. I'm going to watch the whole thing. This was an interview with Glenn Beck that Tucker Carlson did. So he was speaking to Glenn Beck on um, his website uh, platform, Blaze TV. Uh, this was aired uh, yesterday on Tuesday. Uh, Carlson contrasted his experience interviewing Putin with attempts to sit down with Johnson, who has slammed the former Fox host as a quote, tool of the Kremlin, end quote, after Carlson's lengthy discussion with the Russian president earlier this month. I'm going to try to inflect like Tucker. I can't do a good impression, but <clears throat> quote, this is what Carlson said. So I'm over in Moscow. I'm waiting to do, to do this interview. It gets out that we're doing it, and I'm immediately denounced by this guy called Boris Johnson. So I put in a request for an interview with because he's constantly denouncing me, end quote, hoping Johnson would, quote, explain his position on Ukraine, end quote. Carlson said he soon heard back from Johnson's staff, who revealed the former prime minister would agree to the interview, but only on one condition. Uh, Dr. Carlson says, quote, finally, an advisor gets back to me and said he will talk to you, but it's going to cost you a million dollars. He wants a million in U.S. dollars, gold, or Bitcoin. This just happened yesterday or two days ago, end quote. Carlson went on to note that he had just finished his interview with Putin, who, quote, didn't ask me for a million dollars. So you're telling me that Boris Johnson is a lot sleazier, a lot lower than Vladimir Putin? So this whole thing is a freaking shakedown, end quote. Uh, Johnson was highly critical of Carlson's two-hour sit-down with Putin, penning a scathing op-ed for the Daily Mail soon after the interview aired. This is what Johnson wrote, quote, when Tucker Carlson went to the Kremlin, he had a function well known to history. He was to be the stooge of the tyrant, the dictaphone to the dictator and a traitor to journalism, end quote. Uh, he added that Carlson had failed to press Putin on Russia's military operation in Ukraine. Carlson's interview was similarly condemned by a range of Western leaders and commentators who accused him of asking the Russian leader only softball questions and for allowing Putin to give lengthy responses with, without interruption. How dare he? Because <laughs> that's the way we do it in America. Uh, asked why he hadn't raised certain topics during the World Government Summit in Dubai earlier this month, Carlson said he wanted to do the interview because he was interested in Putin's worldview and did not wish to inject himself into the discussion. The journalist also explained that he wanted to talk to Putin because the U.S. media were quote-unquote lying and because the American public was ill-informed about the conflict in Ukraine. Harbori hashtag Tucker Carlson didn't kill himself. I hope not. But what do you think about this one? I think Tucker will be 
All right. He does good interviews, but I've got a hunch that the work that he's doing is being approved by the deep state. He's the new, new media. That's my crazy, wacky conspiracy theory. And, you know, I would have asked Putin about COVID-1984. I would have been like, Vlad, why were you implementing or allowing to be implemented the algorithm ghetto? all over Russia, the QR codes, the, the forced injections. Okay. They didn't enforce, they were just really strongly pushing the injections on you. If you didn't take them, you get fired. Um, so yeah, uh, he, he didn't ask that the sort of stuff that I would, um, ask, but anyways, you know, one, um, measure, uh, I think of who is really interested in the truth and who is not is whether, uh, they want to charge for it, right? Whether in this case, whether it's Putin or Bojo, you know, one of one of the experiences I had, again, going back a decade when I was teaching at the Techno Technologico de Monterrey, the glo uh, the globalist uh, uh, university here in Mexico. It's I'm, I'm not even joking. It's officially affiliated with Davos, the only Latin American university that uh, goes to World Economic Forum. Uh, and they had Al Gore speak at the campus. They had to pay him 200 grand U.S., and the questions were scripted. Uh, so you couldn't just ask an off-the-cuff question like, hey, you're lying, Al. CO2 follows warming, not the other way around. Uh, and and what I did, I, I taught a course called Environment and International Relations. I Skyped in Lord Christopher Monckton like at midnight UK time. For two hours, he talked to my class for free. Uh, you know, and so you can kind of see a clear example of it's like the same thing with uh bojo and and putin uh or you know you take any clinton or blair uh you know they they charge similar insane fees um you, you think a one million dollar bojo interview would be worth it oh heck no dude you'd have to pay me a million dollars to watch a bojo interview how about that that let's work on that first I'll, I'll uh i'll take that in bitcoin that's fine by me i mean come on who are you kidding it, it, to me the funny part because the, the bit i saw was actually this interaction with uh, glenn beck between tucker carlson about boris johnson um and he was very casual about it. i mean he the way he 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 said it i mean i tried my hardest in my read there but he was just like oh this boris guy like as if he doesn't even know who the guy is i thought that was just priceless to me like an, an absolute jab because Boris is, it came out and I mean, yeah, no kidding. When you, you go out on a big outlet like the Daily Mail and condemn another, you know, not another journalist. I mean, Bojo thinks he's some sort of reporter now on, is he on GB News or Sky News or one of those things? He's on a place where he told them to go to H-E double hockey sticks over their uh, coverage of COVID or something ridiculous. This guy, yeah, you'd have to pay me here, Bori. Yeah, me too. Um but I didn't quite understand Carlson's, Carlson's comment where he said his name is not actually Boris. His name is Alex Johnson, although technically, legally, his name appear, does appear to be Boris, but that's just his second name. His full name, I had no idea, Alexander Boris de, de, de Feffel Johnson. I'm going to call him Alexander de Feffel. Pretty, pretty wild. Who who would have, I, I think most people don't know Boris Johnson is actually Alexander Defeffel. Alexander Boris is a very Russian name. Maybe he's actually the the real Russian agent, the Kremlin agent, Alexander Boris Defeffel. 
Uh, so, <laughs> all right, uh, Ruckus, uh, see ya. Hasta mañana. We've got uh, Stuart uh, joining us, Stuart Hooper. Uh, again, anyone, feel free to call in or drop some comments, questions in the chat. Be right back. TNT's David Curtin. The noise about this is not out of any genuine concern for Navalny himself or his family, but this has been weaponized in order to bash Putin. And it seems that the media, the mainstream media, and the politicians in the West, the powers that be, have got what I would call Putin derangement syndrome, which follows on after Brexit derangement syndrome and Trump derangement syndrome. Something is happening in the world that they don't like, they can't control, they've lost control of the narrative, they've lost control of what they want to happen. And what they want to do by this, by bashing Putin in the mainstream media, is to prolong this terrible war in Ukraine. David Curtin on today's News Talk TNT. The Irish government is proposing a law known as the Hate Speech Bill that threatens free speech. This law could have dire consequences for our democracy. Next week, next month, next month, and then on to the next week. This law will have uncertain effects on artistic and musical expression. Please support us. It could stifle the activity of public campaigning on political and civil issues and also curtail speech relating to topics about religion, ethnicity, sex and gender. You could even be jailed for possessing documents, cartoons or memes on your devices, even if you never read them or intended on sharing them. Mere possession could make you a criminal under this law. Help stop this law. Visit www.freespeechireland.ie forward slash take action to bin the hate speech bill. Plug in. Website TNTradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It's the coolest. TNT. Returning to the Rebel Transmission, we've got Stuart J. Hooper, lecturer, PhD researcher, studying the military industrial complex, elites, war, and globalism. Subscribe to his Twitter X account, Stuart J. Hooper, and his YouTube, his Pentagon Tube account, Stuart J. Hooper. How's life, Stuart? All good here uh, in Oklahoma, Havori. Yeah, just uh, teaching away about halfway through the semester here. Um, yeah, I've got teaching American government, uh, international security. Um, so lots to talk about in both of those fields, that's for sure. <clears throat> Time is How you flying. Doing? I'm doing good. Came back from Anacapulco and Acapulco, experienced three earthquakes in five days. Really fun times. Uh, <laughs> and uh, just to get your thought real quick, since you're um, English. Uh, your, uh, I guess, ex-Prime um, Minister Alexander de Feffel, uh, Alexander Boris de Feffel Johnson, uh, mm -hmm. he, he demanded Tucker pay pay him a million dollars for a chat. Uh, you think Bojo's worth a million? No, I mean, uh, I mean, you can pay him whatever you want. You're never going to get the truth. I mean, you're always going to get... Uh... You're going to get his spin and his view on something, but you're not going to get the truth. You could pay him $10 million. You're still not going to get the truth. I, yeah, I don't know what it'll take to get the truth out of uh, people like 
uh, Bojo. And, and maybe to start, we'll get your thoughts on what's happening with Julian Assange. TNT has been covering the offense there, Boots, um, on the ground. Uh, and we'll play, we're, we're going to play just a short clip right now um, of John Shipton uh, from, uh, from out there. Let, let's play that clip. Just a few things. Julian has spent in one form of incarceration and another or another over 14 years. Julian has spent over 14 years in one form of incarceration or another. Are you good with that? All of Julian's human rights suspended. Are you good with that? Due process abuse after abuse. Are you good with that? Over 25 court cases in one form or another an innocent man no charges laid are you good with that no! I just want to thank you all for coming and thank you for your strength and understanding as I do that all genius ascends from the people ascends from us upward and it is us in the manifestation of the Australian Parliament declaring that Julian Assange must be brought home has shown our courage manifested in the parliamentary declaration. Is that not magnificent? See you this afternoon for the march. What do you make of the whole um case now with Julian Assange Stewart yeah so we're uh, anxiously waiting now to find out what is going to be the outcome of this case um I am published in an academic journal on this very topic so I'd like to think that I have somewhat of a, a valid opinion somewhat of a legitimate argument to make here and that is of course that the whole reason that Assange is being prosecuted and pursued to the extent that he is is because he really did three key things first off he exposed the fact that militarism cannot be used to achieve democracy that bombs do not bring peace anywhere in the world um, they only bring death and destruction um, especially in the context in which they were used during the war on terror he allowed for the construction of an anti-war movement to really bloom and flourish as a result of the revelations that he brought to us because they allowed people to come together and say wait a second this doesn't look like what we were told government we want an answer we want an explanation here and we're going to keep coming and knocking on your door until we get an explanation and third and finally the the other big thing that he did is that he exposed the military industrial complex um in the sense that for years the military industrial complex has been trying to sell this idea to the world that it's capable of conducting smart warfare of um electronic warfare that we can do precision strikes and all of this sort of stuff well he exposed the, the uh, very brutal fact that you can have 
however many smart devices you want strapped to your bombs, you are still going to kill innocent people and you're still going to do so at a massive rate, far beyond what the military industrial complex was trying to sell to the world. Um, and this idea that this is a more humane way of conducting war with drone strikes and precision missiles. Well, evidently, that was not the case. And this obviously continues today uh, into Israel and everything that's happened there, too. Yeah, I think the video clip was collateral damage or, or something years ago. Collateral where it just, murder. Collateral yeah, murder. Yeah, it showed U.S. troops. Um, essentially, you know, it was like they were playing a video game in, in many ways. Um, warfare in certain aspects is like a video game, especially if you're a drone operator. Uh, you know, you're controlling um, on a digital screen this flying device that drops bombs and shoots bullets. And, they, you know, they just willy-nilly took out civilians, knowing they were civilians. Um, and my professor, I mentioned this earlier, Alfred Desias, he came out and said he's, in, he's an international lawyer, um, if Assange were to be extradited, no journalist in the world would be safe. It would mean that any journalist who publishes info the U.S. government does not like would be subject to persecution in prosec uh, and prosecution, which is why we're seeing in the Western world um, steps towards that end. Uh, you're having you know Western journalists getting their bank accounts frozen, their families' bank accounts frozen. Um, you know, the, the, their financial accounts cut off so that they are not allowed to continue to do this work. They're being harassed, like people like Kit Clarenberg of Grey Zone, um, suffering, you know, hours upon hours of UK counter-terror uh, interrogation. Uh, so they're trying to scare the, the crap out of you, to take your money away from you. Everything, you know, except for killing you, yet. Uh, that'll be frightening in the Western world where they're openly, when you see when you see dissidents falling out of windows or off bridges uh, in the Western world, or like Michael Hastings. I think the U.S. government took Michael Hastings out, remote control, uh, they took remote control of his car, and in a suburban area, uh, drove it like 110 kilometers into a tree in a suburban area. That, that doesn't quite square uh, in my book. I, I want to get your further thoughts on all of that, Stuart, right after the headlines. TNT Radio News. Big news. TNT, this is James O'Neill. Russian forces have potentially captured between 850 to 1,000 Ukrainian troops during their retreat from Avdivka, a critical position in Donbass, as reported by the New York Times, citing anonymous sources. Tucker Carlson has claimed that American intelligence services, with the help of the New York Times, attempted to prevent him from interviewing Russian President Vladimir Putin. Marius Nilsson, a member of the Norwegian parliament from the Progress Party, has nominated Elon Musk for the 2024 Nobel Peace Prize. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. Follow Stuart J. Hooper on Twitter X and YouTube. Uh, yeah, any further thoughts on um, the situation with Julian Assange and the precedent that it could set if he's extradited? Yeah, well, of course, the, as, as you rightly mentioned, the precedent here is that if you publish something that a government doesn't like, well, now they're going to use this as the um, 
precedent to come after you next. And we're seeing this repeated over and over again in different places around the world, as you mentioned, with um, even moves in the private banking sector to remove people from being able to bank, being able to engage with the economy if they have the wrong, quote, wrong views um, on any given topic. And of course, this really started with COVID and everything that happened there. Um, the lockdowns, the Canadian truckers, all of this stuff, it rapidly spiraled out of control. Um, but the problem here is, as always, when the West does these sorts of things, and it goes after a Julian Assange, well, when Russia goes after an Alexei Navalny or North Korea goes after um, someone who's trying to publish information or defect or China goes after a journalist, what is the first thing those countries are going to do? They're going to turn around and say, well, you can't tell us to not go after our political enemies because you clearly do exactly the same thing. Um, and there are multiple examples of Chinese officials actually saying this in official interviews. You can find interviews where Chinese officials openly say, who are you to tell us what to do vis-a-vis -vis Taiwan? Who are you to tell us what we do with political prisoners? Um, who are you to tell us um, what we do with anything? Um, look what you did in Abu Ghraib in Iraq. Look what you did in Guantanamo Bay in Cuba. Look what you did to Iraq and Afghanistan. So when you give up the moral high ground, you basically open the door to these other more evidently nasty places to just go full steam ahead and there's nothing that we can really do to say well uh, maybe you shouldn't be doing that because our governments over here are of course engaged in very similar activities yeah it's interesting i had a old student on facebook ask me about my thoughts on novelty and this is a student from kazakhstan right and I said, well, why do you always ask me about Navalny? Like, you want me to say, um, you know, that the Russian government did it. And, you know, the student is very open-minded and understands. But it's just like, my response is, look, I'm a U.S. and EU citizen. I'm more concerned about Julian Assange, Gonzalo Lira, who I've uh, had on my podcast, and not Navalny, uh, you know. And the oh, point you actually, is... You actually, you actually spoke to Gonzalo uh, Lira. Yeah, an hour and a an hour, a year and a half uh, uh, oh, wow. ago. Uh, he, he's, this is my podcast. People can check the archive. I was in Croatia. Mm -hmm. He was in Ukraine. Um, but my point is that <laughs> no, I lost my train of thought. But the, the point is that, um, you know, it's happening um, in the West and that's just as important. So if we're going to talk about Navalny, Navalny, you know, we should mm -hmm. be equally speaking of Gonzalo Lira, Navalny, mm -hmm. uh, Julian Assange all across the board, doesn't matter what country they're um, coming from. So uh, yeah, and then we've also got, uh, got a lot going on in the Middle East. Um, we've got reports that Israel um, is demolishing buildings. They want to build a road right through central Gaza that would cut mm -hmm. the strip uh, in two, demonstrating again their long-term plans to occupy uh, the, the territory. And also was reported yesterday that the US blocks ceasefire call with third UN veto in Israel. Um, Hamas war, meanwhile, yesterday, the US violated Syria's airspace seven times. In one day, your further thoughts on what's happening in the good old Middle East. Yeah, um, and also on your um, journalist point, and the, uh, let's say, the, the perhaps enemy of the state angle here, 
Jamal Khashoggi, the Saudi-American journalist who I think worked for the Washington Post, very critical of the um, Saudi government and what was going on there. And one day he walks into a Saudi embassy, I think it was in Turkey, and he never walks back out because the Saudi government assassinated him. And of course, the the US issues some strongly worded statements. Uh, well, we condemn this and when we think this was bad. Um, but what does it actually do to stop these sorts of things? Well, nothing in the grand scheme of things um but that does of course bring us to the middle east and as you said uh, israel i think is evident more and more by the day that israel is attempting to conduct uh really or is conducting let's say an ethnic cleansing operation um i mean if it re really wanted to go full-on genocide the the numbers would actually be even higher than we're looking at right now as high as they are um i think the the better term here is ethnic cleansing i think what they're trying to do is they're trying to destroy the entire gaza strip um so they can push all of these people out of Gaza, um, hopefully into Egypt, if the Egyptians will open the border, which I did see some news stories that they may be heading in that direction. But this, of course, is entirely illegal. There's no way that you can do this under any form of uh, international law. Um, this is entirely um, off the wall in terms of an approach to a problem that Israel's taking here. Um, no one is saying that you don't have a right to defend yourself, Israel. Absolutely. Go after the people who attacked you on October the 7th. That was a terror attack. That was wrong. Sure. Um, find the people that were responsible and hold them to account. What you cannot do is hold 2.2 million people to account for that. That is, there is no justification for that. Um, and interestingly, over the course of this week, um, particularly in Britain, We've seen Keir Starmer, leader of the Labour Party, next British Prime Minister, that's who that is, has now come out and said there needs to be a permanent ceasefire. We've had Prince William, the next king, come out and said there needs to be a ceasefire. So it only took 30,000 dead Palestinians for um, political elites to finally come out and say enough is enough. That's what it took. Um, 30,000 bodies piled high. Um, that's a, a medium-sized stadium full of bodies. Um, I mean, it's just truly unbelievable and really sick, the levels that we've allowed our leadership to really descend to in the Western world, but this is where we're at. Um, but I think what we're seeing is that in the United Kingdom in particular, um, which does have a large um, British Muslim population, of course, <clears throat> they are starting to look at all of this and think about the electoral consequences of all of it. So this isn't Keir Starmer really coming out and saying, I'm a humanitarian, I believe in international law, I believe that uh, Israel should be held to account. This is Keir Starmer thinking, if I don't come out in favor of this political position now, that might damage me in the election at the end of the year. Um, so again, let's kind of cut through some of the crap here and get to the reality of the situation. Yeah, and just to go back as to some of the, you know, a lot of these state actors, they've got plans, right? Iran's got plans, Washington's got plans, Tel Aviv's got plans, and, uh, you know, Ian Davis just wrote a piece for me on Geopolitics and Empire, where you've got a couple pieces uh, as well. People can read Stuart's uh, writings as well as Geopolitics and, Geopolitics and Empire. Uh, but you've got this Bezalel Smotrich, who discussed, uh, Ian describes, um, Smotrich's plan um, called the decisive plan where he discusses um, Palestinians basically forcing uh, them to, uh, 
them the Israel basically getting the Palestinians to for uh forego their national uh inspirations uh the ones that stay in the territory and um it says those Palestinians who choose not to let go of their national ambitions will receive aid to emigrate um so on and, and so forth basically expulsion uh I think that was 2017 and then and the 13th of October there was a official Israeli government think tank document that was published five days after Alexa flood that proposed the mass displacement of Gazans to the Sinai desert to live in tent um cities so it's, it's clear this trend which r reveals you know is Israel's plans what they want to do uh, it's, it's, it's 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 extremely politically incorrect so they can't really be uh putting it all out there but uh yeah any further thoughts as to what's um going on in the Middle East yeah I mean you've also seen the uh these attacks on the Houthis in Yemen yet the attacks from the Houthis have continued right this has not come to an end there are still attacks on the few ships that are still trying to transit the Red Sea um Egypt is seeing a massive drop in revenues as a result of the Suez Canal basically being empty right now so usually you've got all of these hundreds and thousands of ships that are passing through this every year and every time a ship passes through they pay Egypt a toll well now Egypt is not collecting um, hardly uh, anywhere near as many tolls as it was before um, so it's facing an economic problem Israel is also facing an economic problem and Israel's is far worse than Egypt's Israel of course is very dependent on tourist revenue um, particularly wealthy Westerners that want to go to Israel in particular and guess what they are not going there right now and they're not going to be going there anytime soon um, and this is having a knock-on effect for other countries um, in the region um, as well um, and the the ramifications for this particularly in Israel's case is that Israel is finding out very quickly that it actually needs Palestinians to help sustain its economic activity because what do Gazans do well in the day they are allowed into Israel and they are then working in the fields on the farms in the factories and they are doing the hard labor um that Israeli citizens don't want to do or don't feel like they would get paid enough to do very similar to um, other Western countries or global North countries, let's say, um, where it's hard to find people to work on farms and things like that, because in the Western world, we've had all of these bigger promises of what our careers and futures could be, of course, so we don't want to work on farms. Um, that's kind of what it comes down to. Um, but people from the developing world, the third world, whatever you want to call it, um, very happy to come to the West, come to the global North, come to places like Israel um, and do hard labor for what is very good money. But for Israel, this means that right now there are uh, massive spikes in the costs of some foodstuffs because there are simply not enough of them being produced because there are a lack of workers, um, because it's basically impossible for Palestinians to enter um, Israel from Gaza right now. There's practically no exceptions for this at all. Um, it's been entirely shut down. Um, but of course, this massive knee-jerk reaction is having 
a real impact on real Israeli citizens on the ground, uh, real business owners on the ground, restaurant owners, cafe owners, um, all of this stuff. They're finding it harder to maintain uh, an effective business operation and they're finding it harder um, to have a, a workforce uh, that can really do anything because there just aren't the amount of workers that are needed. So this is gonna have a huge economic impact on Israel. And as we know, as soon as people start to get hit in the wallet, that is the point in which things often start to change. So maybe a knock-on effect of these um, economic crises that are currently unfolding um, will be a louder voice within Israel. Hey, time to stop this war, time to stop the attacks on Gaza, time to um, re-establish relations. Let's head for peace. Let's head for a negotiated settlement. We shall see, uh, and uh, we're also going to jump to another war theater after the break. It's time for our break. People can, again, follow Stuart on Twitter X and YouTube at Stuart J. Hooper. We'll be right back. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Probably the biggest story of last week was Joe Biden's cognitive ability or lack thereof. And it was two weeks ago that Biden, on the same day that the special counsel released his report on Biden's documents that he had hidden and claiming that Biden didn't remember when his son Beau died, Biden reacted this way. Lester, President Biden became heated, you'll remember, responding to the special counsel's assertion that he could not remember within several years when his son Bo died. Last week, the president criticized her for asking him about it. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. Ah, but NBC News broke this story and ruined the Biden narrative. But tonight, NBC News has learned that her never asked that question, according to two people familiar with the interview last fall. They say it was the president, not her or his team, who first introduced Bo Biden's death. The sources say the president got the date, May 30th, correct, but not the year. This is huge news. So Biden was never asked about his son's death. He brought it up. Now, is he lying about all this or does he not remember? Either way, can you say 20 Fifth Amendment now. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on TNT. The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy. The animals haven't eaten in a day, two days. They haven't drank anything. They're cold. They're dehydrated. But remember, there's good happening right now. At home. All right, we were able to get into your unit, and we have all four of your cats. So, uh... Okay. And around the world for any animal, any disaster. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. We're talking to Stuart Hooper out in an Englishman out in Oklahoma, and I'm a pro down here in Mexico. Uh, so, salutations to everyone out there in the world and I want to get your thoughts um you know on Ukraine and whatnot and we had Lukashenko of Belarus again um yesterday um discussing how he's he's concerned with with a third world war he said the world has again come to the brink of the abyss 
uh, and he's making plans to be prepared as much as possible. He said, we must be prepared as much as possible to neutralize risks and threats. Um, meanwhile, we see the U.S. Washington continuing funding, just the endless black hole of funding for Zelensky, Kiev, Ukraine, all these insane wars. And what came to mind for me was this quote again from Orwell. I think we need to repeat this often where Orwell said, quote, the war is not meant to be won. It's meant to be continuous. Hierarchical society is only possible on the basis of poverty and, and ignorance. This new version is the past and no different past can ever have existed. In principle, the war effort is always planned to keep society on the brink of starvation. The war is waged by the ruling group against its own subjects, and its um, object is not the victory over either Eurasia or East Asia, but to keep the very structure of society intact, end quote. And of course, we had the 19, 1967 report from Iron Mountain, where they were discussing this as well. They were saying war is the best way to manage and control society. They were brainstorming um, more peaceful ways which would uh substitutes for war that would still allow them to control us um but i feel like this is what's going on Stuart. that they don't even really care for winning the war in ukraine it's all about taking our money transferring the wealth from us controlling us implementing police state measures uh on and on your, your further thoughts yeah i mean um that's absolutely correct and we and we see this really evidently with the United States. The United States has never had a peace dividend um, like a lot of other countries did, um, particularly after World War II. Um, the United Kingdom, for example, um, United Kingdom very famously voted Churchill out of office um, after World War II um, because the United Kingdom, uh, the people, wanted a change. And the change that they wanted is a time of peace, a time of focus on the domestic, um, stop looking around the world, stop solving problems elsewhere. Let's look inward for once, um, or for a few years at least, and that produces um, a few things out of that. The biggest, of course, being the National Health Service that comes out of that um, shift um, away from uh, Churchill. Now, is the National Health Service perfect? No, of course it's not. It's got its problems, um, but at least the people ended up getting something out of that. Um, the longer that I spend in the United States, the more and more... I look around and it's like, why are Americans not angrier about the, the state of their country? I mean, the, the roads are falling apart. We have bridges collapsing on a regular basis, trains that are derailed almost on a weekly basis. It seems there's always a new train derailment. Um, there are problems at airports, air, airplanes that are literally falling apart at the seams. I mean, where is the... Where is the American dream? Where's the American uh, standard of excellence? Um, it seems like everyone has just um, kind of gone off into their own little worlds. Um, perhaps smartphones, social media, um, helping to contribute to this. Um, but I think generally people are not as concerned about the future as they probably should be. Now, there are some positives here. Like I've said to you before, um, I'm having students ask me more than ever before, why do we fund all of these wars? Why do we send all of this money to Israel and Ukraine without me even bringing it up as an issue? So students just come to me and ask that question. <clears throat> well, um, then we can have that discussion, of course. But I think there is some movement in a positive direction here. 
But still, ultimately, I think on the grand scheme of things, um, there are not enough people concerned with foreign policy. I was looking at a poll, um, the most recent one from Reuters, where they ask people to rank what they think the top issues are in the United States today. Of course, right now, immigration is the number one issue, which I think is fair to a degree. Um, but you look at foreign affairs or conflict, it's only 2% of people in the entire United States think that foreign affairs are the primary problem in this country. Um, now, of course, I'm going to be biased on that. You're going to be a little biased on that because it's our day-to-day focus and has been for literally years. Um, but I think what people really need to start doing is getting educated about the world, um, whatever that may be. If it's just sitting down and looking at a map and figuring out where countries are and who different countries are aligned to, start with the very basics and then build up from there, build up some knowledge of a country. Um, I think, again, like we've discussed before a few months back, if you're interested in Italy or if you're interested in Japan, whatever it is, well, pay closer attention to that country and try to understand how it works, its place in the world. And maybe then we can figure out a set of international relations that can be based upon cooperation and figuring things out um, as opposed to bombing each other and blowing each other up. Because with Ukraine, what we're seeing right now with this is a level of desperation that I'm not sure that I've seen in foreign policy in my lifetime. So whenever you see um, Biden administration officials on TV right now, um, particularly this one spokeswoman, I think out of the Pentagon, I mean, she is so desperate to convince the audience that sending $60 billion to Ukraine is good for America. Um, I mean, it's reaching a level of desperation that becomes obvious and almost laughable at this point. So again, that's also perhaps a positive. Um, And the point I was making with um, Chris Smith on the Sunday show on TNT when I was on with him is that in the Western world, we're pretending to play this game called democracy. We pretend that we vote for people and those people, they're in charge and they make all of the decisions. Well, okay, well, let's call their bluff on that one, shall we? Let's say to the politicians in all Western nations that are pretending to play democracy, you don't get reelected if you support international militarism. You don't get reelected if you support the military industrial complex. Your personal career is over. Perhaps this is the only thing we can currently do. Uh, we can fall back on this idea and again, really call their bluff. Oh, so it's a democracy, is it? Well, let's see. If we can turn the tide and have, I think we're at 70% of people right now think um, there needs to be a negotiated settlement in Ukraine. Let's start pulling the uh, the chain on that one and let's call their bluff. Let's hold these people to account and let's see if we've got a democracy or not. That reminds me of my conversation last week, my in-person interview with um, Vit Yedlichka, president. I interviewed a president, president of Liberland. Uh, if you missed it, it's in the archive, a very, very fun chat. And he said in their system in Liberland, you, every three months you can vote out a politician if, if it's it's really like crowdsourced democracy if you know if uh if if you're not doing a good job you're gonna be voted out very quickly we could use some of those principles and uh because you're uh up there in the United Soviet States of America I always like to get your take on what's happening uh at home and a lot of it as you are describing it's intertwined what's happening within the U.S and foreign policy 
Uh, we've talked about this before, but RFK Jr. just made a comment on how he commented effectively on the neo-feudalism, that uh, how housing prices, BlackRock uh, and company are buying everything up and we're moving from a home ownership to basically a subscri subscription service. We've seen this already with Davos telegraphing that everything's going to be rented. You're going to rent your clothes. You're going to rent. You're not going to have a car. You're going to rent your home. Everything's going to be a subscription uh, service. Uh, and then, you know, just some of the headlines today that I'm reading, uh, Rand Paul has said, never, ever let Gavin Newsom anywhere near the White House. Meanwhile, 7.2 million illegal aliens have entered the U.S. under the Biden regime. Uh, Trudeau is complaining about conspiracy theories because no one is believing the crap that Ottawa or Washington or, or, or London are spouting anymore or Brussels. Um, and it's funny, he says that the, around the same day that uh, the S SEC has decided to, to leave Rumble uh, alone. So, you know, a lot of us still have, uh, in terms of freedom of speech, we've still got Rumble, Rumble as one um, outlet where we can get the word out. And so, you know, um, and you've got Bloomberg saying your 401k is gonna be gone. Uh, forget about retirement plans. Just, yeah. they, they didn't say this, but I'm just um, extrapolating. The, the, the Just go with the MAID program, right? Just euthanize yourself. But uh, any further thoughts? regarding what's happening um back home in the u.s yeah i mean uh, domestically uh i think immigration is becoming the number one issue and i think um deservedly so i mean immigration has never been my focus or concern um, as an academic or just someone interested in politics it's never been really my thing um to an extent both of us can um, be very sympathetic to the idea of moving to another place in the world and trying to make a better life and the positives that come from that. Um, the problem is, if you have, what number did you say? 7 million? 7.2 million. That's, in, that's yeah. more than 36 states, uh, the population of 36 US states. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you have that many people in what are we are, three years now, something like that, three and a half years, um, it's almost inevitable that some of those people are not going to be the kind of people that you would have let in the country if they had come through legal routes, just from sheer scale of numbers. This isn't saying that immigration is bad, that all of these people are terrible people. This is saying that the sheer scale of this is evidently out of control, so much so that this is now also becoming an issue for democratic voters as well. Um, and we're seeing pushback against this in places like New York City. We've now all seen the viral clips of um, people screaming at migrant centers. Why do you get all of this? Why do you get to be put in here? Um, why do you get a debit card loaded with money? Um, and I'm out here homeless on the streets. This is a legitimate question. This again is not a this isn't saying you're you're a xenophobe or you're a racist this is saying if i'm a citizen of this country and apparently we've got millions of dollars to throw around to help people out why are some of them not being thrown in the direction of your own citizens um now again do you want to look after these people that have come here illegally um do you want to take care of them and maybe put a roof over their head at least temporarily yeah you probably do but at the same time, it might just be good for optics, at least, to do something good for your own citizens. So again, we're seeing the pushback from uh, democratic leaders in places like New York City and Colorado um, and Martha's Vineyard. Of course, the famous example, I think that was last year when the immigrants were sent up there. Um, 
this is a growing problem and it's again not it doesn't have to be based on race xenophobia or anything like this this could be a practical problem who are these people point one and point two where are they going to go and point three what are they going to do next um, unless you can answer those three questions it might be time to try and figure this issue out now how you do that I have no idea. I've I've spent months and months and months in the legal immigration system in the United States mm -hmm. um, over my time here when you change it in and out of visa statuses. Um, so yeah, going through this as you come here illegally, it, I mean, it drags on years and years and years. This is a, ultimately a bureaucratic issue. Stuart, we're, we're out of time. Even Mexicans are being fed up with the migration going through Mexico. Uh, Stuart J. Cooper on Twitter X and YouTube. Follow him there. Always great to get an update um, from you, Stuart. Talk soon. Steve Malzberg is up next.